With the beginning of a new year, our new chances to seize new opportunities for growth, embark on new adventures, take new risks, set new goals, and go after new ambitions. When we become driven and compelled to achieve something for God's purposes, we are no longer just stepping out into something new or setting a new goal. We are moving forward with holy ambition. Today on Bloom, we'll discuss how we go from defining holy ambition to taking action with holy ambition. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for February 4th, 2022. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to encourage, inspire, and grow women in their relationship with each other and the Lord. So today we have a special guest. We have Pastor Scott Lessing. He is our pastor of the Life Stages and the Prison Campus. Welcome, Pastor Scott. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I feel like I should have like some kind of certificate or something for you because you're actually <laughs> our, my first male guest on Bloom. So welcome. Well, I am honored. Thank you. That's <laughs> awesome. I did not know that. Yes. Okay, so Scott, as you know, last month we began a new topic for the new year that centered on goals, Mm -hmm. but not just your traditional generated goals of losing weight, getting out of debt, um, but what it looks like to set godly goals and defining holy ambition. So if we could define holy ambition, just for a recap from Mm -hmm. last month, we could say it is our consecrated desire to achieve God's sacred purposes in our lives. It's our ambition to accomplish God's agenda. So holy ambition in its most simplistic form is a God goal. It's when our determination meets God's design for our lives and for the advancement of his purposes. So instead of achieving something for our personal gain, we strive to achieve for God's glory. So before we dive into the meat of our conversation today, Scott, I wanted to ask you, are you a believer in New Year's resolutions or are you a naysayer? Traditionally, I've probably overemphasized New Year's resolutions, Um, but I think that's a tough question because I do believe in setting goals for the year, Mm -hmm. and I like to break those down quarterly Mm -hmm. and then monthly, Mm -hmm. Um, but I also ask the Lord for a word picture every year, usually Mm -hmm. in November, December. Mm -hmm. Uh, Typically, I've heard from the Lord right away, Mm -hmm. but one year it lasted like January 5th, I think is when I got it, but... um, (laughs) This is what the Lord usually gives me a like a word picture or a scripture, and in my office, you know, most of the pictures in my office are of the those words that He gave me every year. Um, so this year, He's given me a word picture that that is um, the word the word that He gave me was launching, mm-hmm. and the word picture because my new sport is disc golf, so it's <laughs> launching that. It's disc. not really a sport. It is. Okay. It's totally. It, it is. It is. Um, but it's really cool because this year I'm launching uh, Carter, my son to um college and uh Callie my daughter we're launching her to be the only sibling at home and what <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean it's gonna be really different she's gonna yeah. feel like an only child um the prison mm-hmm. campus that we're launching uh that's that's another one and then DMD groups I'm launching mm-hmm. two DMD groups mm-hmm. uh we just started that this week and my marriage we're in a new phase of our of our marriage too so mm-hmm. um a lot of launching is going on in my life so mm-hmm. when the Lord gave me that that was that was really uh, apropos, uh, Maureen and I are launching, you know, like I said, all these different things in our lives, but, um, there's so many other things that God's having me launch, uh, outside of, you know, my family time too. Mm. Sounds like the perfect word for you with everything going on. So I know you just kind of described 
a good picture for us about your your word that God gave you. But if you could kind of narrow it down to one goal that you've set for yourself mm-hmm. this year, what would that be? Well, you know, I can't answer any question just directly, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I love what Craig Rochelle says. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to change your impact, which I believe that's what a God goal is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, godly leadership is is simply having influence or impact in other people's lives and in the world. Um, mm-hmm. But this is what Craig says. If you want to change your impact, you need to change your habits. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, according to 2006 uh, Duke study, it was a really interesting study that essentially it said this, 40% of the actions that you do every day are the, simply the results of your habits, not your decisions. Wow. So we can't choose just to be better at something. It's really habits that we have to change. So mm-hmm. for me, if, if you want to start with just a goal, I don't think that'll happen. You actually need to create patterns in your life, mm-hmm. which change your habits, and that becomes your goal, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to setting goals, I believe that it should be for a reason. For me, it's about the impact that I can have on others, my organization, and the kingdom of God. So mm-hmm. um, in other words, like, how will I impact Maureen's life, my kids' lives, uh, my close friends, mm-hmm. those I lead, those I disciple, the ministries that I lead, or Grace Church in general, or even Lorraine Correctional Institute that we're starting the, the prison campus in. Mm-hmm. For me, my goals are, are they're pointing me in that direction of who I want to become this year. Um, and as I said, I want to become Scott Lessing, who is launching. That's what mm-hmm. God's, that's the vision that he's given me this year is, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be Scott Lessing launching, right? Mm-hmm. And that's my focus and my direction this year. Um, so I have to ask myself every quarter based on who I want to become, what's one or more habits that I need to start this year or continue doing. It might not just be something new. It might be a habit that maybe I haven't done in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give, so to answer the question, right, <laughs> goal, my goal number two for this year is launch the Grafton prison campus at Lorraine Correctional by March of 2022 mm-hmm. while developing an all encompassing campus that incorporates discipleship a place for the entire family and reintegration for each member of the, of, of, uh, grafting campus by mm-hmm. the end of 2022. So, mm-hmm. um, my Q1 goals from this goal are to have strategic planning meeting with the chaplain, to have a teach a tech meeting with, uh, their tech team mm-hmm. to see what equipment's needed. Um, what I call EDS, which is equip disciple and shepherd the volunteers mm-hmm. and some of the leaders at the campus that we'll be going to. And then, of course, start my personal DMD group. So mm. that was for the campus, for my marriage, uh, Q1. We're going to be heading to, it was originally South Carolina, but now it's Cincinnati. Wah, wah. That's like a bummer. <laughs> but um, not saying Cincinnati is bad, even though they're in the Super Bowl. Um, but South <laughs> Carolina would be a lot better right now this time of the year. Um, but we're going to be doing that at the end of February for a marriage conference. We haven't done mm. a marriage conference in years. So as we launch our marriage this year, mm. we want to launch that by doing a really awesome marriage conference. And then for Carter, um, he and I are going to be traveling to Mount Washington in New Hampshire. We're going to hike the highest peak east of the Mississippi and north of the Mason-Dixon line. Um, and we're going to be preparing for that trip, uh, to, to have that trip in August. And already we've started working out, like we're working out together. Mm-hmm. He asked me if I'd teach him how to work. So that's been cool um, as we prepare for that. And we're talking about it a lot, like, hey, on this trip, what are we going to do? So we've actually decided that we're going to listen to a book um, on the way there and back. And talk about it while we're hiking as well. And the book is called How Not to Read the Bible. And it's an Mm. apologetics Mm. book that really prepares a lot of us people, but specifically high school college students to face scrutiny about their faith in college. Mm -hmm. Because when you go to college, like they they challenge you on everything, right? Yeah. And so his faith will definitely be scrutinized. And we just want to be able to prepare him Mm. best for that. So launching, those are all my goals. And that's just for the one set of goals I have. So 
Wow. So I feel like you gave us a lot <laughs> to think about. You're someone who I would like to talk to when it comes about goals because I'm thinking about like my goals this year. I, I, I just want to like, you know, get healthier or, you know, they're like really basic <laughs> right. things. That's and a stuff. good goal though. Drink more water, you know, um, <laughs> things like that. So, wow. Um, I know one but of the if, things. Can we just like deviate yeah. just for a second? Yeah. So what you just said, I want to get healthier. Uh, a mm-hmm. habit is drinking more water, right? right. So that's right. exactly how you do it. Like what you just said is exactly how. You, so that's a yes. habit that you need to create. Yeah. So how many glasses of water do you need to drink a day to be mm-hmm. healthier? Mm-hmm. And then that's one step. I think so many times right. we, we make it way too complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, even what mm-hmm. I just said, it sounds complicated, but it's really, it's very simple. I think mm-hmm. how I've broken it down, even though it sounds massive. Yeah. Um, but I have, I, I live in boxes, right? So those are the boxes that I surround myself in. So. Hmm. You said, you know, you mentioned Craig Rochelle. So one of the things that I got from Craig Rochelle recently um, on one of his podcasts, he was talking about habits. He was talking about how it's really important that we kind of create our habits based on um, defining our identity Mm -hmm. in a way. So, for instance, he was saying if you're someone that is a smoker and you are trying to quit, when someone then goes to offer you like a cigarette, you would say, no, I'm you don't say I'm no I'm trying to quit you'd say no I'm not a smoker right so you kind of identify yourself with that habit so I think that's kind of cool then when we're talking about holy ambition and creating habits like and setting goals for Christ's agenda for what he wants us to do and what he wants to accomplish through um, for his kingdom and through him um, because our identity ultimately is in Christ so how we set forth to accomplish things for him can very much be aligned to our identity in him. Just going off of what Craig Rochelle said. So um, the reason I was prompted to invite you on this part to discussion of holy ambition is because of something that you already kind of talked about a little bit. And it's because I believe that God gave you a direct call. It's a pretty bold move to advance the kingdom that would require holy ambition. Can you share with us a little bit about your background in ministry and then what God laid on your heart to do for him. Yeah. So I've been in ministry for 10 years. I'm 48 years old. I came in, um, non-traditional, a little bit different. I, I was a sports medicine guy for 15 years, Mm -hmm. took care of people and their injuries. And then I was in, um, medical sales. So I learned how to communicate clearly a message that I believed about a product in, Mm -hmm. right? So I was, communicating clearly about something I believed in while also taking care of people. And I believe that's ministry. That's really mm-hmm. what we do in ministry. Yeah. Um, no matter what your ministry is, vocationally or volunteer. And so I, I think, you know, that's where I was. I came into ministry 10 years ago, kids ministry for five years, men's ministry for five years. And then God called me um, probably about two years ago. So right before COVID hit, mm-hmm. uh, we had a, a men's retreat inside the prison. We mm-hmm. took 30 guys into the prison they brought 30 guys from within and we, it was a regular men's retreat, right? We had breakfast together, lunch together, dinner together. We had amazing, uh, just sermons that were just really powerful, great worship. We had great conversation in between. And on my way home from that, I called the guy who helped me set that up, Mike Swagger. He, he runs true freedom ministries in Ohio. And mm-hmm. I said, Mike, I called him. And I said, Mike, I really just feel like God is maybe telling me, maybe it's God telling me that, <laughs> our next campus at Grace Church would be in Grafton or Lorraine Correctional. Mm-hmm. And it was dead silent on the other end of the, you know, and I was like, oh no, like maybe I upset him. Maybe I'm 
you know, trampling on his territory. Maybe that's mm-hmm. not what I should be doing. Um, and he was like, Scott, that's amazing. Like that's his vision too, is wow. that, that camp, that, uh, churches would make campuses within mm-hmm. the prison and then that would, then when the guys leave, they have a place to be a part of, yeah. right. Yeah. And their families have a place to be a part of while they're in there. So that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of the background of what God really laid on my heart. And now yeah. fast forward from there, two years, um, for the last six months, we've been working, you know, for the last three months, we've gotten the official okay mm-hmm. from Lorraine Correctional. Mm-hmm. They invited us in. And what God has been doing in the last three months is just, it's kind of outrageous to be yeah. honest with you. So just going back to what you said. So for that initial retreat, was that something that you just felt like you wanted to have it there? Or did somebody reach out to you and invite you to have it there? Like, how did that all come about? It came about with uh, an introduction. Somebody introduced me to Mike Swiger. Okay. And they said, you have to have lunch with this guy. It was one of the guys, Bill Holko, uh, was a part of my ministry uh, maybe three years ago. And mm. he was doing prison ministry, and he was also a part of um, my leadership team at Grace Church on Men's Ministry. Mm. And he said, Scott, you got to meet this guy. He's amazing, right? Mm. And so I think I may have even put him off a little bit, like, okay, yeah, whatever, right? And then I finally said, okay, I'll meet this guy. And we had lunch together, the three of us. And he was super compelling, just a contagious personality, yeah. has a great vision for people. Mike was in prison for mm-hmm. 17 years himself, um, okay. and he's been out now for 17 years doing ministry vocationally. But the mm-hmm. cool thing is what when we met, we realized that we had a common mentor who was my neighbor, and wow. Lowell Snyder was a guy who reached out to Mike in prison mm-hmm. because Mike sent a letter to... Oh, what are those books that the, the guys who give the Bibles? Um, I cannot think. Yes, of, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. Our, okay. Your listeners are probably like, oh, Scott, it's this. Right. Um, <laughs> Ken Schaefer is part of it. I'm so embarrassed. I can't remember. But <laughs> he reached out to the, this group and they give Bibles. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have Bibles in the hotels and yeah. goodness gracious. I anyway, know. so Lowell was the local guy from Grafton who kind of took care of the two prisons there. Mm -hmm. And so he reached back out to Mike and they, that started their mentorship Hmm. where he started mentoring Mike and Mike already knew Jesus, but then Mike um, started the chapel at Lorraine Correctional. Mm -hmm. They built a chapel because of Mike, like he helped them build it. Mm -hmm. And um, they have a library there, a a, a Christian library. It's only Christian books. Like it's, it's just amazing what this guy has done, how God has used him um, to really reach those who are forgotten. Right. And he was that way. He was mm-hmm. forgotten by many people, mm-hmm. uh, but the Lord has used him in powerful ways since then, yeah. Wow. So now, you are familiar with the area. You grew up in Grafton, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So how would you describe the culture of the community there? Because I believe every community has a culture, and then every culture is different. So how would you describe the culture of the Grafton area, and then specifically the Grafton campus? Yeah, Grafton used to be a small farming community a village, right, in Lorraine County, just south of Elyria. And um, it was kind of between, like, Elyria and then the rest of the real country. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of half in the country, but kind of not. Okay. Um, We had, uh, when I was in high school, we had um, FFA week. Mm Mm-hmm. And my buddies drove their tractors to school. So that just tells you, like, (laughs) what the community is like, right? And so it used to be this farming community I would say like in the last 25 years, Grafton is, you know, still they they understand where they've come from, mm-hmm. but 
the city has started to reach out towards Grafton, right? From mm-hmm. Cleveland to Elyria, all the way out to Grafton. And so it's, you know, it's no longer just a farming community. Okay. Um, no more tractors on the way to school. There are. Okay. Yeah. And mm. I mean, I was, I still am very proud that I'm from the country. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I could live in the country now. I love living in the suburbs and being so close to the city and yeah. my wife yeah. and I go there all the time. But I, I mean, so that's Grafton, right? Mm-hmm. But the specifically the Grafton campus, it's a totally different community. Mm-hmm. Um, all the guys in the incarcerated community, they're from all over Northeast Ohio. Okay. And um, it's just a, it's like any other city that you go into it. Lorraine Correctional is a city amongst itself, right? Mm-hmm. And it has a culture within it. Mm-hmm. And even though it's in Grafton, it is not like the culture of Grafton at all. Okay. Um, it is like the, the culture of any other incarcerated community where mm-hmm. um, they have their own culture. And we, we can mm-hmm. talk about that at another time, but it's very different from the city, okay. from, from the village of Grafton. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So now one of the points uh, mentioned in the last episode was that in order to achieve any goal, there is always an element of risk involved. Um, after all, if it was easy, it wouldn't it wouldn't be worth like pursuing even as a goal. Um, it would you know would it even classify as a goal at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, for me, I love eating fruit and salad every day. So I'm not going to make a goal to eat fruit and salad every day um, because if it were just that easy for me, then it's not really a goal. So Scott, I know that there was a risk involved in responding to this call. It's a faith-filled risk, but it's still a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, could you give us a glimpse into your initial thoughts when God called you to the prison campus? And then what risks and challenges did it mean for you? Well, it's it's scary. I mean, for me, going into when you walk into the incarcerated community, into prison, mm-hmm. there's, there, there's an element that is just different, right? Mm-hmm. When I first went into the prison for the very first time, I have to be honest, I was terrified. I was scared. I had a dream the night before. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you about this? The dream I had? I think so. I had a dream that um, as soon as I got into the middle of the yard, that this big buzzer went off. That's all I ever knew of yes. prison. And that everyone came out of their cells and trampled me. Yeah. And I died. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm in. I'm walking through the yard my very first time, and all the guys mm-hmm. break for lunch. They come out of their cells for lunch. Mm-hmm. And they start filling the yard, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, my dream's coming true. I'm going to die. <laughs> um, and then everybody walked by me. Everybody said hi. Everybody, you know, they were kind, right? Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't at all what I thought. And, you know, so I went in with this, you know, a one thought of what it might be like, and it was different, mm-hmm. you know. And so mm-hmm. from, you know, so that part alone, yeah, there's there's fear of doing anything different. Mm-hmm. There's fear of going into a different community, whatever that community is like, right? right. A right. different job, it's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me... There were some some fears outside of where I was going. Mm-hmm. There were fears just in general, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I have two roles at Grace Church. I I lead the Life Stages Ministry, which encompasses like women's ministry, men's ministry, kids, youth, mm-hmm. uh, residents, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I went from that. I'm still doing that, but mm-hmm. I was also the men's pastor. I gave up being mm-hmm. the men's pastor before we ever got our first prison campus. Okay. So that wow. was very scary. Yeah. So we, this is what happened. We were supposed to have a meeting like in August, I think. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, this is definitely going to happen. Yeah. And so I handed off the reins of men's ministry to Tom Suffolk, one mm-hmm. of the other guys here on staff. Mm-hmm. And then that right after I did it, literally the next day we, after we announced it to all of men's ministry, mm-hmm. the next day they canceled that meeting in August because oh, wow. COVID 
hit the prison, so they had to shut the meeting down because they yeah. wouldn't let anybody in. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then it dragged out, and it was like, oh, my gosh. And then we didn't have the meeting until October. Mm. So I literally didn't know until October 21st when I finally got the phone call that we're going to have that meeting, in, and we're going to do it early November. So mm. from mid-August mm. until mid-October, I had no idea if we were even going to do a prison campus. Wow. So then I thought, I just gave up men's ministry. Yeah. What am I going to do next? Right. So there were three months that I, August, September, October, that I was really concerned. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just trusting the Lord, like, okay, Lord, even if the prison campus doesn't happen, like, mm-hmm. I know that you'll do something mm-hmm. and make this work because you've called me to this. So yeah. he called me to leave men's ministry or at least lead me leading the men's ministry and go mm-hmm. to this. So it, it was a faith filled risk. Mm-hmm. And then ever since that meeting that we had in early November, mm-hmm. it has just like exploded. Yeah. And watching what God is doing is unbelievable. And because I really don't know what I'm doing, I can't even take any credit for it. It's totally the Lord setting all these meetings up and making everything happen. So it's really, it's really incredible. What was your initial thought too with even, because with every start of any new ministry, you have to have a team of people. You can't do Mm -hmm. it alone. Were you initially thought like, how are people going to, you know, receive the idea of doing this you know because for some people like I mean it would be a very intimidating environment to walk into Um, a lot of people don't have a background that might be accustomed to being around people that are incarcerated yeah and how do you handle some of those things you know so were you were you afraid that like oh yeah who's going to join me in this you You have to remember though I came from kids ministry where no one wants to serve in kids ministry (laughs) right they're terrified of the kids so you would ask people like hey do you want to serve no I would never serve with kids like I'm terrible with kids (laughs) and so there's a similar feeling with the incarcerated community right Mm -hmm. they don't know what to expect so whenever we don't know what to expect we say Mm -hmm. no initially yeah. versus maybe we should just see it for the first time. Mm-hmm. So we are mm-hmm. always willing to take people in for their first visit into the incarcerated community and see that these are, they're, they're, they're regular guys. Right. Now, yes, you know, have they committed a crime? Yes. Have they been caught? Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're serving time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some things that I could have been in a lot of trouble for, and I'm always reminded of that. Hmm. The Lord reminds me of that often. Like mm-hmm. these guys are, yes, you know, they might be different because they got caught doing yeah. something and you just didn't get caught. You yeah. know, so, yeah. um, they're, you know, we have to remember that they are people, yes. right? The, what makes them different though, is that they're forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if we have, if, you know, in Matthew 25, Jesus calls us to go to the forgotten people groups, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's one of the forgotten people groups that he names specifically those in prison. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. called to go and make disciples there. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so right now, you know, we... So what I did was I started just talking about it. And I just... When I announced it in men's ministry, I had a lot of people that would come and ask me about it. Mm-hmm. We officially haven't even announced it to our full congregation yet. We're going to be doing that here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to get some things built up and off and running before we fully announced it. Yeah. Um, but everything has been grassroots, which is kind of incredible <laughs> that God is stirring people's hearts as soon as they yeah. hear about it. Yes. They email me or they'll yes. see me on a Sunday and say, what do I need to do to get involved? Yeah. We had a training here a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was maybe a month ago mm-hmm. where the warden came to, and you were there yeah. mm-hmm. and she shared her vision mm-hmm. And she was using words like transformation. She wants to see men be yes. transformed and yeah. never go back into the system, yes. right? Yeah. That's that's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. we need to partner mm-hmm. with people like that. So it's really yeah. her vision that's allowed us to even come in. 
It's the work that yeah. Mike Swagger has done that's even allowed us to ride on his coattails. Mm-hmm. And we're just literally showing up like the boy who brought his lunch, right? Yeah. He just showed up with his lunch right. to watch Jesus. Yes. And what did Jesus do? He used this kid, mm-hmm. right? The younger generation mm-hmm. to do multiplication that only Jesus can do. Mm-hmm. And then he used the d- disciples and apostles to distribute yes, and organize and, and do the work of the ministry, right? Yeah. And... Yeah. There's something to be said about that for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know when you first mentioned it, just like in a staff meeting, I instantly got goosebumps. My eyes started welling up with tears. I, I felt like the Holy Spirit just sort of washed over me, like mm. just with this wave of, yes, this is exactly what we need to do. This is exactly where we should be. And everybody that I've ever mentioned that this is something that we're doing, just, you know, family, close friends, I've, you know, talked about it um, when they ask about ministry and Grace Church and just the thought that this was coming up on the horizon. Everybody has been so affirming of like, that's incredible wow. that you guys are doing that. That's awesome. So That is um, so good to hear because yes. there are many times, and whenever I tell people who are involved in the ministry, I tell them that this is legitimately... Sometimes I wonder, like, is this really where God wants us? Like, mm-hmm. are we really going to have an impact? Mm-hmm. And I'm already seeing people being impacted at Gra- or at Lorraine Correctional. Mm-hmm. Um, I start my discipleship group tomorrow, mm-hmm. and I went in and met the guys yesterday, and they're so grateful. Yeah. You know, they are so grateful. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know, it, you know, it's good to hear affirmation because sometimes – I think the enemy likes to attack us and make us question. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what he did with Adam and Eve, right? Like made them question Mm -hmm. God's calling. Mm -hmm. Didn't you, you told a story too the other day that one of the guys that you're discipling was just like really touched that you considered him like that because didn't he say something along the lines of like, no one's ever discipled me before. Yeah. One of the guys, um, he said, you know, a lot of guys have come in and done Bible studies and yeah, um, they're, re- they're really used to that. They're mm-hmm. used to people coming in and leading a Bible study and it's knowledge, right? Yeah. Which is really important. Yeah. But the, the part about discipleship is that it becomes a relationship, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think when, when God, when God brings us into relationship with others who know him, we learn so much more about Jesus mm-hmm. because we get to experience, you know, this, we get to experience God in the midst of our relationship, but we hear what God's doing in their life, right? Right. And this guy, he said, Scott, no one has asked us to do discipleship in the 15 years that I've been here. Wow. And that was, it was powerful. It it was impactful. It was sad. Mm-hmm. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it was like, wow, God, you're, you're on the move here. You're doing something really incredible. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just it's humbling to mm-hmm. know that God's doing some amazing work and all we're doing is showing up yeah coming prepared but showing up right I, I like just kind of touching back a little bit what you said before just in Jesus's ministry he always went to those that were the, the marginalized mm-hmm. in society that's who he really went after and I think you're really right in saying that it's something that the church and I'm talking about just church in general, not just Grace Church, but it's something that I think that we have really missed the mark, like in this particular ministry, reaching out to local prisons and being able to have, like you said, not just, 
you know, even going beyond just simple visitations, like that's, those are great. Like anything is better than nothing, but to actually get to that point, like what the warden was talking about, where, where does, how does transformation come about? And I think you touched on just really the key element of that, which is relationship. Yep. So, you know, it's neat. There's a guy who's actually leaving hopefully tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a, a man of God who's been transformed. Hmm. He's one of like the main leaders um, of the church within Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Um, I would consider him like an elder, right, okay. at a at a church. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be re-entering society. Yeah, right. And this guy is going to have an incredible impact mm-hmm. in his community, in his family. Like mm-hmm. his family cannot wait to see him. Aww. And, but he's a man of God. He's Mm -hmm. been totally transformed Yeah, and he wants to really impact the world for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's amazing. Like when I'm, when I, I just met him the other day and when I heard that he was leaving, I was a little disappointed to be honest. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm like, oh man, but the impact that this guy is now going to have, and this is the vision that God's given us, you know, for Lorraine Correctional because it's a short term APA facility. A lot of these guys are only there for eight months. They're going to come mm-hmm. out only mm-hmm. after eight months. So they, they go in for just a very short period of time. Yeah. They return to their families or their homes yeah. if they still have them. And they, they're, you know, we want to be able to see people transformed, mm-hmm. even if it's just to know Jesus initially. Right. Right. Because right. people are broken when they go into prison. They are right. really broken. Right. So. And then not just for the men that are incarcerated, but then also their families that are mm. being impacted, the their parents, their spouses, their kids, um, you know, there's a lot of brokenness that's kind of a lot of pieces, you know, that have to be kind of fixed. And there's a lot of opportunities for transformation. Well, yeah. And, you know, for right now we have two phases for our campus launch, Mm -hmm. right? We're right in the middle of phase one, Mm -hmm. um, which is providing worship services, providing alpha, Mm -hmm. providing galvanized, which is like a Christian AA that, uh, Roy Ackerman leads at our at, at uh, the Middleburg Heights campus, mm-hmm. um, and then discipleship groups. So we're, we're in the middle right now of launching those. We're going to be launching our first service February fourteenth. Okay. It's kind of like a a soft mm-hmm. launch, right? Because mm-hmm. we want to like work all the kinks out first before we officially launch. Yeah. Um, but then phase two is we want Grace Church at Middleburg Heights campus to be a receiving center mm-hmm. and potentially at our Olmstead Falls campus as well. Yes. Uh, where we're going to be taking care of the wives and the girlfriends, mm-hmm. giving Financial Peace University. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have a team of men as uh, these as the guys reintegrate upon release, like the one I was mm-hmm. just talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also want to assist them with job placement. Um, we, we're going to be working yes. with a couple different organizations to help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two phases to this launch. Um, like I said, we're in phase one, but mm-hmm. it's just exciting to see what you know God's going to do. Yeah. Like you're really touching on a lot of the spiritual, but then also the practical ways Mm -hmm. of how to really transform the lives of these men and families. So what would you say then are the needs that are at the most forefront as you prepare for the launch of the prison campus? Yeah, there's quite a few things that are needed. Um, I would say prayer, and and I'm going to name a couple Mm -hmm. things that we need prayer for. One would be for the, the men in this community to actually attend the chapel. Mm. Right. Even though we have we're going to have, you know, our, our services twice on Monday mm-hmm. at nine and one thirty, we, we need guys to show up. Yeah. Right. Guys 
who know Jesus so they can be equipped, so they can have a place to worship their Lord, mm-hmm. but also guys who don't know Jesus to to come. And, and that's where John 6, 44 talks about, you know, God the Father draws people to his son Jesus, and we need specific prayers for that, that yeah. guys would be drawn to Jesus by going to the Monday services. Mm-hmm. Um, we also want to pray for a movement of the Holy Spirit to sweep this through this community, like, you know, mm-hmm. praying for a revival, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then, of course, we need uh, other practical things besides prayer, mm-hmm. volunteers to make this community um, a part of, of yours, right? Like mm-hmm. really making this a part of your community as, as you volunteer there mm-hmm. or um, back at the Middleburg Heights campus. Um, so we need volunteers at the incarcerated community at the Middleburg Heights campus. Um, and then, you know, obviously we'll have some one-offs where we might do, you know, different drives, Mm -hmm. you know, to maybe give them things that they need Mm -hmm. at the, at that community. So, um, yeah, we have right now it's basic, but we need prayer and we need volunteers. Yes. Yeah. So now if someone is listening to this, what would of encouragement would you share with them if they're feeling some kind of a nudge towards Mm -hmm. something, but they're a little hesitant to take that risk? I think it's really important before you even get excited or scared about what the nudge is Mm -hmm. to know where is it coming from. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, I get nudges because uh, my best friend is really excited about something. Yeah. And, you know, Charlie's over the top all the time about everything. So (laughs) I can get very excited about something he's doing that I want to I want to do that, too. Yeah. And it's like, wait, is that. Is that coming from the Lord or is that just coming from it sounds exciting, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So because some people, maybe this is not where God's calling you to be a part of, you know, whatever it is. And so a, you know, well, let's say we'll stick with numbers. The Mm -hmm. first thing that we should do (laughs) is determine where that Lord, where that nudge is coming from. Mm -hmm. I think the way that the the way that I do it is that I like to seek wisdom from people I trust uh, who know the Mm -hmm. Lord deeply. Mm -hmm. The first person for me in my life is Maureen. A lot of times I'll say, what do you think? And she'll, you know, like the example of Charlie, she'll be like, that's totally just Charlie. Like, <laughs> that doesn't sound like you at all. Like, do you really want to do that or whatever it is? And so I'm like, yeah, you're right. You know, I'll let Charlie do that. Um, but even if it sounds crazy, like the prison campus for me, um, or like it, maybe it can't happen. Uh, you know, when we first started going down this path, it really felt like it was never going to work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you need to start down that path to see what the Lord would do. We literally had no open doors at first. Mm-hmm. So if we would have just said, well, it's probably just too, maybe this isn't what God wants and walked mm-hmm. away without continuing to pursue the Lord, is this where you want us? Mm-hmm. Then maybe it wouldn't have happened. Um, and then next, you know, begin to step out of your comfort zone by actually maybe participating. I know Bethany Bell and KJ, yeah. Kajavius uh, Wilson, mm-hmm. they do a lot outside the building mm-hmm. at Grace Church. Mm-hmm. And they would love to have you come on like just a, an explorative exploratory, you know, time with them to yes. see, is this where God wants you? Yes. You know, experience whatever community they're going into mm-hmm. to see, is this, mm-hmm. or maybe kids ministry, right? Like yeah. you think that you'd be terrified of working with kids, <laughs> but maybe you don't ever have to teach a lesson and you can just be like the support person in the room yeah. and you never yeah. have to teach anything like that might be okay for some people. Yeah. And, um, and then the last one is just be prepared. Um, mm-hmm. you need to plan, you need to train mm-hmm. like every 
time I go in, into the incarcerated community, I, I, I have a plan of, of what I'm going to do or a sermon I'm going to preach or, mm-hmm. you know, um, my DMD group, I'm prepared on what we're going to talk about tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have to go prepared and not just, we can't just show up. The boy still made his lunch, right? right, right. He's still prepared yes. when he went to go be with Jesus. So we, we, we need to prepare and mm-hmm. plan and, and be trained if we need to be. Yeah, that's good. I came across a quote the other day, and I can't recall who the author was, but it said, if your goals can be accomplished without Jesus, they're not big enough. So if you're following along in the Bible reading plan this year, we recently finished the book of Exodus, and the most defining and well-known story within the book is Moses being called to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of their bondage of slavery. And I'm not going to get into the parallels of why this story is so significant and how it points to Christ, but I think about God calling Moses to do this incredible task, a task filled with enormous risk, requiring extraordinary faith, and just how time and time again we see God use ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things because they stepped out in faith. They were willing to take the risk, and they had holy ambition to Mm. accomplish what God wanted to accomplish through them and for his kingdom. So for someone listening today, and they're saying that you know, maybe God really is nudging them to be a part of the prison campus in some capacity. What is the best way to contact you and get connected in that way? Yeah, you can email me at scott.lessing at gracecma.org, um, or you can call my cell phone at, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a, shoot me an email. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Pastor Scott, joining me today. I loved hearing your heart. I'm excited for what God is getting ready to do through you, the prison campus, the men and the families that will be impacted. We talked about goals requiring a level of risk, but we can be sure that God is in this and he's working for our good and his glory in this opportunity. So if you've missed part one of this series, Holy Ambition, I encourage you to take a listen. If you enjoy Bloom and this content is helping you grow, we'd love to hear from you. Please subscribe, share with a friend, give us a comment so we can keep growing together. Now, I just mentioned our church Bible reading plan. If you're interested in joining us in reading the Bible this year, you can check out the plan on your Bible app. The it's plan is not too late. It's not too late. It's never too late. To it's start never too late to get started. The plan is by The Bible Project, and it's called One Story That Leads to Jesus. I really love, actually, I enjoy this because they have those devotional videos and things. I love those. I love those. Those are so good. You feel like you're cheating when you're reading those or watching those, (laughs) right? right? Yes. They're like, oh, they just downloaded a bunch of information for me. I know. I'm like, these guys are so smart. (laughs) (laughs) But um, just getting more into his word is something that God might be prompting you to do. Um, just as Pastor Scott said, it's not too late to start reading. Thanks again, Pastor Scott, for being here. Thank you. Here. This was great. I, mean, I enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning into Bloom today. Until next time, keep growing and God bless.